if you're a serious seller, you know you need an official barcode from GS1. But there's error messages that come up here and there and questions about what Amazon can really see from GS1 and other concerns. So we actually invited an official rep from GS1 to answer all these questions. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. Are you afraid of running out of inventory before your next shipment comes in? Or maybe you're on the other side and you worry about having too much inventory, which could cap you out at the Amazon warehouses or even cost you storage fees. Stay on top of your inventory by using our robust inventory management tool. You can take advantage of our advanced forecasting algorithms, manage your 3PL inventory, create POs for your suppliers, create replenishment shipments, and more, all from inside Inventory Management by Helium 10. For more information, go to h10.me forward slash inventory management. And don't forget, you can sign up for a free Helium 10 account from there, or you can get 10% off for life by using our special podcast code SSP10. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely BS-free, unscripted, and unrehearsed organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And back for the second time, we've got somebody who indirectly helps millions of sellers uh, out there potentially. Uh, Michelle from GS1, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you for having me today, Bradley. Awesome, awesome. Now, we're not going to go too much into your backstory this time. Um, If you guys are interested, make sure to check out episode 357. All right, so episode 357 was the first time that she was on the podcast and, and we talked about, you know, the history of, of GS1 and and we talked a lot about some some basics, you know, like what's the difference between GTIN and EAN and a whole bunch of uh, of cool stuff. But I wanted to just, first of all, just what have you been up to? Like how's the last uh, couple of years been since you've been on the show? Well, you know, always busy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think... Um, there's always plenty of work to do. Um, and, uh, I've changed roles. I'm now in our innovation team. So, but I still help support a lot of the, uh, Amazon community, but I'm also, All right, hold on. I got to ask. Yeah. Barcodes <laughs> are barcodes. How do you innovate that? That sounds uh, like a really tough job to have. Like, all right, barcodes are completely set. Now we need you to innovate something cool. No, you could always innovate. Um, I think that, well, we could take that discussion too, but like where industry is going with barcodes, you see, you've seen the linear barcode on your products. They've been around mm-hmm. for 50 years and mm-hmm. they've been working great, but um, you start to see 2D barcodes, QR codes on things. Um, why not okay. make that the the barcode that goes beep up the checkout stand? So we've been working on that okay. too. So yeah, I can talk, right. yeah, talk yeah. more now, about now that. Now that you, you mentioned want. that, I saw something interesting the other day. It was like these crazy, you know, I've seen, you know, QR codes that have some like logos, you know, embedded in it. But now it's like, looks like art, but it's really a bar. Like it's really a QR code. I'm like, how is that even possible? But okay. Yeah. There is innovation in barcodes, I guess. There probably wasn't for, for a few decades, but now, now we're getting back, uh, back there. Um, um, you know, right, right before the call, you know, you had mentioned, uh, Walmart. And so I just wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. let's just start off there. One thing that's interesting, you know, about, um, you know, when we're talking about barcodes, I, I know just from my limited experience, you know, obviously on Amazon, you know, I have tons of experience. I, I, I usually actually put an FN skew. Obviously, everything needs a GS1 barcode, you know, for the back end. But I put the Amazon FN skew sticker, uh, you know, over it when I send it to Amazon. But when it comes to um, Walmart, 
it's actually the opposite. Now I have to actually cover up if I had like if I had printed my Amazon FN SKU, I actually have to cover it up with the original mm-hmm. UPC. Now what is your experience like, you know, like do you do you see a lot more sellers uh, you know, selling on on Walmart um and and do do, do does Walmart have the same kind of very strict rules like Amazon does about about the GS1? So good questions. Um, I think, and this is something we always talk about when we are talking to the seller community, especially new companies that are just starting out. Um, first of all, always identify your product with the GS1 um, G10, that um, global trade item number. That's what gets encoded into the barcode. So we talk more about G10s. But again, if you look into, listen to that pressed um, episode, we, we interchange them with barcodes very quickly. But um, so get your, your number. Um, and that's what's used on, on Amazon. But it's also used on Walmart. So uh, Walmart has the same G10 requirements for identifying your product. Um, but their barcode uh, requirements are the traditional GS1 barcode. So having that UPC barcode, or if you did um, assign an EAN, that EAN barcode to your product. So they want that one um, to go, you know, beep at the checkout. Um, Amazon doesn't really have, in most cases, a traditional checkout. Mm-hmm. Everything's done on the marketplace. Um, and so they use that FNSKU for uh, like their just fulfillment process in their warehouse. Yeah. 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 Okay. But for most part, we always say, you know, again, sellers usually start on Amazon and don't think about it and they'll just do the FNSKU um, and then they won't um, think about, well, if I am expanding into other channels, I now need this other barcode. So uh, it is a challenge. We're hoping that Amazon will um, use more GS1 barcodes in their fulfillment center because it does cause that uh, dichotomy among how you you know, barcode your products, whether it's for Amazon or for most other traditional retailers that use the GS1 system. Now, personally, I have never applied for a G10, you know, exemption, you know, to, to get, I mean, like, I just don't understand that the point, like, even if I'm not selling on other marketplaces, it's like, to me, it's just a no brainer. Um, would you agree with that? I mean, people might say you're biased here, but, but why, why, why do you, is it just laziness that some people don't want to get a, a barcode or this being cheap or what? Uh, it could be. So there are a couple of reasons why a G10 exemption or, or seller seeks G10 exemptions. Um, one is if you do have a generic product or you label your product generic right now, currently Amazon um, does not allow you to have a generic product with a G10. However, that's changing soon. So we do know that there, you know, cause in the standards, you can actually have a G10 associated to a generic product. So they're working to change that. So we're really excited that they're understanding the use of our standards. Um, so that's one category that we've seen the G10 exemptions, generics. Um, other ones could be laziness. Yeah, it could be. Um, we've also seen it in um, high skew intensity, like in the apparel sector, sector where they have, you know, runs of 100,000 different types of t-shirts that could be um, all customized. That's mm-hmm. a lot of G10s sure. to assign. And maybe not every one of them will be purchased. Um, and so, you know, why why spend that money on it? So that we've seen that case too. Um, trying to come up with some solutions for those, those categories. Um, but ideally, of course, I'm biased. I would always say assign a G10 to your product. <laughs> sure. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm not biased, and that's what I would say. Yeah. 
Um, I actually, you know, there, there are some questions from some of our users, you know, when they found out that I was going to, you know, go ahead and have you back on the show and, and, and Jay, um, you know, who, who's actually been on this podcast before mm-hmm. he was, um, wondering about what's the latest as far as like catalog corrections made when like, let's say the ASIN is showing the incorrect brand, but the UPC is assigned to your brand or no aligned to your brand. So I'm not sure if I understand that question, but looks like maybe there's there's a a product that has the wrong brand but it has the right UPC you know like is does is GS1 going to provide any help like does can Amazon see that you know if if it was a GS1 barcode can Amazon see that it's assigned to a certain brand in GS1 and then maybe that will help um you know make the transition so I think what you're explaining is what we call a G10 hijacking scenario, mm-hmm. where um, you go to list your own product, you own it, um, or you, and you have the the G10 associated, oh, and then okay. it's already it's already on the platform. But it's if, that, if that's what he meant, then yeah, that I exactly know what that is. I, yeah. It's happened to me yeah. before. Okay, so so how do you? Yeah. What, what's your suggestion on? So on um, the best way that you know we've been working with uh, Amazon selling partner support to try to help sellers through that because it can get very tricky. Um, so if you are the, the rightful owner of your GS1 G10, um, what we recommend is first of all, one, hopefully, um, you know, or the reason why it might be out there is it was on the platform a lot longer before Amazon started doing some of the checks against the GS1 database. So mm-hmm. we've seen that um, because right now, anytime a new G10 is listed, it does check against um, our database to ensure that that company is associated to that G10. So, um, well, what does it if, mean by like associated? Um, so like what um, if I have multiple brands, it, it, let's say I have two or let's say I have three companies, you know, obviously with, 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 uh, you know, GS one, uh, you know, I'm, I'm one company, but let's say on Amazon, you know, I might have three or four accounts, you know, each of them have four different accounts or mm-hmm. four different brands or something. If, if, it, if they're all in the same GS one account, does that right. count as, you know, being, uh, I forgot what the word you used, uh, related or whatever, or, or. Do I need separate GS1 accounts as well? You don't need separate GS1 accounts. Now, the this is where it does get tricky because you think mm-hmm. about like some of the large multinationals like um, Coca-Cola. Everybody knows Coca-Cola, right? Sure. The company is Coca-Cola Company. However, they have multiple brands. They have Diet Coke, yep. Coke, Coke Zero. So they'll have a whole list of brands. Now, unfortunately, we don't store at GS1. We don't store all the brands associated to that that yeah. company. So I think what you're saying is how does Amazon know that I have Diet Coke, Coke, Coke Zero, all that? Yes. That is um, upon the brand to submit that to Amazon. So they have a uh, like a brand authorization form that they'll ask new sellers to provide so that they have um, listed out all the brands that they are authorized to sell. We're working with Amazon to try to figure out how to help provide that data, but um, Amazon is looking for that brand level information from directly from the sellers right now. Unfortunately, we don't at GS1 don't collect all that brand information too. So we collect the company name, Coca-Cola company, and then your license but we don't collect all that brand information mm. and share that with Amazon. Yeah. Because I, I was, I'm just thinking, you know, like in my personal experience, I have um, like a GS one UK 
account mm-hmm. and I use it for our, you know, Helium 10 products, which is called Project X, this reality TV show that we did on YouTube a couple years ago. But then I also use that same account for the GS1 account to to make barcodes for some of my other, you know, personal Amazon accounts and, and other people's Amazon uh, accounts that I have, or not other people's, but, you know, f- uh, other accounts I have full control over. Now, I haven't mm-hmm. had any issues, you know, on the Amazon side. So mm-hmm. is it maybe because Amazon has already tied, you know, these different accounts to that same, you know, GS1 was like, okay, it's using the same, you know, prefix and, and it's obviously coming from the same account. Is that yeah. why I'm not having uh, issues? Or It could be. It could be. Um, and uh, it could be that your brand, so you um, are using only your, your brand. There's yes. cases where uh, third-party sellers can be selling uh, same brand. So two or, two or three people can be selling the same brand. And so how does Amazon know which seller is authorized to sell that brand? Because some okay. may or may not be able to. So in those cases, especially the third-party sellers, if they're not a, a first-party seller, then um, they might have to submit this brand authorization form, if that makes okay. sense. All right. All right. Sounds good. Another question from Jay, and, and this is just, you know, I was going to ask this myself too, but still pretty much the same. We're like, hey, Amazon does not want anybody buying barcodes, not from GS1, like from, you know, resellers. That That's still going to be a, a chance to get you in trouble, right? Yeah. Again, they do check that license information against the GS1 database and they, they are pretty firm with that. Um, you know, I've, I've heard other cases where I've had it before, um, again, before they started making these checks against the GS1 database, um, some of these GTINs were allowed on the platform or maybe they weren't true GS1 GTINs, but they are definitely um, staying firm with it must come from GS1. Yeah. Um, you know, a few people have have are just curious, like wh- why different GS1 offices have, have such different pricing structures? So like, are you guys pretty much different entities or... Uh, does one have more value? Like, does one have more power than the, than the other, or more value as opposed to uh, you know when we're talking about you know databases in Amazon, et cetera? Or um, yeah, what, what's going we on get there? that question a lot. So, um, if you're not familiar with GS1, or if you or don't want to go back and listen to that other episode, just a real real quick recap: GS1 is a global um, company as far as we have global standards and we manage them in each local region through local offices. So GS1 US, GS1 UK, GS1 Germany, GS1 Brazil. Um, And each of those offices, while we all help administer the standards, we do all operate independently. So we all have different business models. So it's kind of like a federated model across the, the globe. We all help administer the exact same standard, um, but in each region, different business models. So yes, you will run into different pricing structures. Um, you might also um, run into different um, bundled offerings or support offerings in each region. Um, so why? Why would you go to one over the other? Generally, um, in your local region, you'd go to your local office. So in the U.S., GS1 U.S. supports the local office. We have in-language support and in-time uh, zone support. So um, some, you said you have um, some accounts for GS1 UK. Um, They may not have, I mean, they actually are an English speaking um, country, but if you were needing support and it was, you know, your three o'clock in the morning, that's when you could get them, but maybe not at your, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon. 
So um, it just depends on where you want your support and maybe some of their offerings. Um, but it's up to you. It's up to you could go to any GS1 office to get your G10s. It's just, you know, you make those decisions on language support, you know, customer support and possibly other service offerings. Okay, cool. Another question that somebody um, had here was, let's say, you know, there's somebody who didn't know any better and then got one of the, the these secondhand, you know, from eBay or somewhere else uh, or what they thought was a reputable website, uh, a GS1 or a bar, a barcode or UPC. Um, mm -hmm. And and they want to get compliant, you know, because maybe they're scared mm -hmm. that Amazon might shut them down or something like what, what, what should they do? You know, they've got an Amazon listing. It's already tied to this this, you know shady UPC uh, code, uh, is there anything they could do to, to become not shady? Um, well, you know, so Amazon is going back and doing, not only are they checking on initial um, listing, um, they are starting to go back and clean up um, bad data or data that, that's not authentic GS1. So you might, um, might be a seller that have been on the platform for a while with a non-GS1 G10 and be asked to update it. So we've seen that. Um, we do find it's actually tricky if you are one of those sellers that has a non-GS1 and you're like, out of the goodness of my heart, I want to update this to a GS1 um, mm -hmm. G10. Um, I'll be honest, I don't think Amazon has a very good standard operating procedure for that um, to help sellers do that. Um, because when you do switch it over, it doesn't carry some of your customer reviews, you know, no. all of the, the stats that you want it to very um, easy. I know that they're working on a process to make that easier for sellers um, it, to do that changeover. But um, from my understanding, it's still pretty tricky um, to okay. do that in the, in the middle of, you know, a listing that's already active. And then also if you have uh, inventory in stock, in their warehouse that causes an issue. So there's a lot of complications. So it's not a quick, yes, do it. Um, there's a lot of considerations to, to be uh, made before you actually do that. Okay. Now, you know, if we've done the right, the right thing, uh, and, and we do have GS one account and, and, and we're, we're doing, we're, you know, generating new UPC codes, the, the right way, you know, setting it up on Amazon, et cetera. You know, what exactly is Amazon looking at for, from GS1? Like, what's the field that's super, the fields that are important? Or what, what are the ones where, hey, don't don't worry too much about it? You know, like, I'm assuming that they're not going down to the very SKU level or manufacturer SKU field inside, you know, when we're creating a GS1 barcode. But, you know, are, are, is the most important thing the, uh, you know, what company we use to register with, that we make it our brand? Or, or, or what what is actually Amazon looking at? Uh, when when they're verifying information from GS1? So um, they have a lot of like proprietary scripts. So some of it I'm not too aware of because, you know, they're, they do have sure. um, their own algorithms. But the, the fields that they use from GS1 that they check on the database is your company name. Um, okay. So like, again, I'm going to go back to the Coca-Cola example, Coca-Cola Company Inc. Um, so they'll look at your company name. They'll look at your prefix or your license, because um, at GS1 US, we also license single G10. So it could either be your prefix or even your single G10 um, and ensure that that is, that the, uh, the identifiers you're adding to your listing match your range within your prefix that's assigned to your company or your single G10. 
Um, they do look at brand name, but again, they don't collect that from GS1. So they'll, they have, they kind of marry it together um, and then use that brand name for a validation as well. Um, and then going through the rest of the listing process, there might be some other errors that come up. Again, I think I told you, if you're now then listing um, for a generic, it'll check and see, oh, does it have a G10 or not? You know, and it may throw an error or not. So um, there are some other checks along the way. And then, of course, you know, they do all other checks, not necessarily against GS1 data, but like, you know, you know, the product descriptions are right or, you know, they have other fields that they check. But from a GS1 perspective, it's the company name and the license and um, oh, and the address of the company. Now, uh, this has never happened to me, but I know I, I've heard or I've seen in like message boards or something where sometimes maybe there's an error. You know, Amazon says, hey, no, nah, this is not your your, you know, the right GS1 or something or the right, uh, you know, UPC you know, you need to submit something to prove it is, or maybe there is something that you could submit. So what would I be going to GS1 and printing off or, or something to, to show Amazon that, hey, I'm legit? So um, for each uh, identifier you're, you um, license for GS1, uh, you get a, a license owner certificate, so a prefix certificate or even a single G10 certificate. So um, at GS1 US, you log into your My GS1 US account, print your certificate, and that shows your company name with your G your prefix and or your G10. Um, and it also gives you, um, we also assign a, what we call a GLN, a global location number, which is basically that that ties to that address. And that submit, if you submit that into selling partner support, that um, proves your ownership. Okay, cool, cool. Um, Elizabeth here has a question. She says, can I keep the same barcode G10 if I switch brands? keep selling the same product and rebrand it. Uh, somebody had told me that I have to create a new login entirely with a new brand and get a new barcode. So it sounds like maybe she's been selling, you know, let's just say she's selling this water bottle under, what is this, Takea brand, right? Mm -hmm. And she's still going to sell this water bottle, but now she wants to, you know, to, to change it to select bottles and, uh, you know, select bottles brand or something like that. What responsibility does she have, if any, on the, barcode side um you know maybe on amazon everything stays the same same asin and and things like that uh does she have to do anything differently now that it's a new brand yeah that's a good question so anytime your product changes um mm -hmm. materially um so a brand name change would require a new g10 because you'd also think mm -hmm. about it too from a sales perspective and tracking sales you would want to know which brand sells better than the other, you could do that. But from a GS1 standards perspective, yes, as a product, if your uh, brand changes, if an image on your package changes, if um, if the contents change um, significantly, if your net weight changes, um, there's a, a couple of other things. But um, you know, if, even if you printed it in English and, and you also sold it um, in Spanish, you know, if you have two different types of packages, you'd want two different G10s. Okay. You know, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but what are some, you know, I know we touched on the last episode, but, you know, things change in, in a couple of years. What are the, you know, some common error messages that, that Amazon sellers are getting these days as far as, uh, you know, when it comes to their, their UPC? There's like two or three as it relates to GS1 data. Um, uh, one of the first ones, when you first go in to enter, like the very first um, question on the listing is what is your product identifier? 
And then there's a drop down and it's G10, UPC, EAN. There's a couple of others, ISBN. Um, that one always confuses people because we've confused people. We call them G10s, but then, um, you know, when you get a 12 digit, it's actually associated to the UPC barcode. Um, again, go back to your previous episode. So if you're entering the 12 digit, you're actually supposed to select UPC instead of G10. Um, if you have a 13 digit um, identifier that gets encoded to the EAN, select that one, or the 14 digit is actually the G10. So that one always trips people up because, you know, GS1 calls them G10s, but then we also interchange yeah. them with UPCs and stuff. So that's one of them. And then again, um, the if it's a G10 hijacking the, that says this product already exists on your on, on Amazon, but you are like thinking this is the very first time you've entered it, it's probably a G10 hijacking. So again, providing your certificate to selling partner support saying this is truly my G10 and um, they could help you clear that. We do find that if you write the words, especially if you're um, submitting a case um, online, write the words G10 hijack or hijacking, the their algorithm sends it to the proper queue. So um, that's been a tip that we've heard um, works and we've heard also internally from the selling partner support team put that word in there and get some to the right queue versus um, other um, words in your list, in your case. Um, and then again, the, the generic, that one kind of trips people up, but we're, we're hoping that that one will change here in, in the coming month. Okay. All right. Um, what are some other, you know, common questions that, you know, I, I think we, we, we hit a lot of the, the, the most common ones. Uh, and these are literally the, the questions that, that people are asking me. Mm -hmm. um, about this, but, but are there any others that you've been getting that maybe I haven't asked, uh, today that, that you think some of our listeners might, might have? I think we touched on it initially, but again, you know, a lot of sellers start their journey on Amazon and just feel like that's the only place they're going to stay. But we always say, think about growth strategy. So think about where you, your product may um, end up and it could end up on a store shelf. It could end up on another channel such as walmart.com or some of the others. So, you know, think about your barcoding strategy, your packaging strategy. We did hear, um, I, I did talk to a seller a couple of weeks ago about somebody who did not print their barcodes on their products. And then all of a sudden they got picked up by target and now they have to figure out how to redo all their packaging. And they have like thousands of packages, um, that they now need to put a barcode on. So, yeah. um, you know, think ahead, you know, she didn't expect it, which was a great pro uh, a great problem that she had, but you know, now she has to go back and print stickers and put it on her packaging, but change her packaging in the future. So, um, so that's one thing. And then, um, you know, we're also, like I said, we're working with industry to move to that 2D barcode. So start investigating if you are using barcodes on your products, how that 2D barcode could be used as well. Cause um, it could be used for not just the point of sale scan. Um, it now can include um, consumer engagement. It could in include traceability. So you could track your um, product back to source. It's good for recalls. Um, you could put warranty information. There's a lot you could encode into that 2D barcode. And so we're hoping to see a shift in, in barcodes, that innovation in barcodes um, over the next couple of years. So always, uh, we've got a wealth of resources at GS1. If, if you're interested in going and in innovating in your barcode, um, we could help with that. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. What, where do you, you know, especially being on the innovation side here, what, where, what do you, do you think that 
there might be a, a day where where there's going to be a new standard instead of just um, you know the, the the typical you know barcodes that products have had for you know thousand years not a thousand years but you know yeah. for for forever here like like could Q, we move to QR codes as being a, a new standard or, or some other kind of uh, format. So it's, it's remember, it's not necessarily a new standard. So you're still using that, that core set of identifiers, that G10. Mm-hmm. It's just embedded into a different type of barcode. Mm-hmm. So at the base of it, it's still using the same standard. Um, and you'll still need to get your G10. It's just encoded into a different type of bar- barcode. Because that barcode, the 2D barcode, can carry so much more information than just that linear barcode. I mean, think about it. You could scan a QR code with your phone whereas you can't scan a, a linear barcode with your phone. So that's yeah. where technology is going. And so we uh, thought that the barcode should move with the, with the technology changes. And now a consumer can scan that barcode and find so much more information about it than just used for a price lookup at, at the checkout stand. Okay. Any last uh, words of wisdom or, or last strategies uh, that you think the uh, listeners need to know about? No, I mean, I kind of talked about it, you know, just always think about growth, always think about where your product could end up um, and, um, you know, plan for plan for success is what I always like to say. So, yeah. Now, one thing I do ask, uh, not along the lines of of e-commerce here, but I've been asking almost all my guests here in 2023, this is my year of physical health, mental health, hobbies and stuff, because, you know, regardless if we're selling on Amazon or we're working at GS1 or whatever, you know, sometimes we... We get a little bit too much caught up in our work, and we don't remember to to disconnect. So I'm just curious, what's your, what's your, what's a couple of your hobbies? Uh, you know, mine is is food and and travel, uh, a lot of it. But what's some of your hobbies, and what what about your, um, you know, you have any routine for mental and physical health? Um, I am an avid gar- gardener, so most people who know me um, know that I love to, I guess, decompress in the garden. So, um, but I'm not a vegetable gardener, so I'm an ornamental gardener. So I like to plant flowers and I like to, um, yeah, flowers. Yeah. Um, I can't grow vegetables like the, the squirrels and the gophers and the birds eat everything. So I gave up on that kind of gardening. So I'm a, an avid, um, ornamental gardener. So that's where I decompress and have fun. uh, Unique ones in your garden? Um, I'm starting to get into herbs. Um, because you could also use them for cooking. So kind of on the edge of vegetables, but not, but they're also really, um, they're just different. So, um, yeah, but I, well, if the zombie apocalypse happens, um, (laughs) might not be able to have a lot of food there, but you'll, you'll have a nicely decorated, uh, (laughs) place, I guess. Okay. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, I, I like it. You know, no, no two people have the same the same hobbies. But the, but the important thing, guys, if you're listening, you know, every single guest does have something that they're doing. You know, it's important. You know, because there, there was a time where I probably couldn't say that I did, and and you know, you work yourself. You can literally work yourself to death if you don't have your your own escape. That's so it's true. important that everybody picks their own their own thing. All right. Well, uh, you know, M- Michelle, thank you so much for for joining us again. And if people want to, you know, m- maybe. They were like, hey, I didn't get my question in or I'm still curious about this. People want to, you know, reach out to GS1 to ask some questions. How can they they find you guys on the interwebs out there? Sure. So we've got, um, first of all, our website is uh, gs1us.org. 
um, which has a lot of information out there. We also um, have a very robust YouTube channel, the GS1US YouTube channel, which has a lot of great videos. We also do a couple of um, spotlights on small businesses and how they got started out um, with GS1 and some of the challenges they may have been facing. So those are some great business, uh, some great resources. We also do a, a podcast if you're interested in just all things supply chain. Um, we've got um, a the supply chain podcast, which um, I'm sure we could provide all the links for you. Um, so those are some great resources. Cool. Awesome, awesome. Will I be seeing you at any upcoming Amazon events like Amazon Accelerate or anything like that? Um, I don't know yet. I haven't really. Um, I, I usually go to the Prosper show. I think we saw each other at the mm -hmm. Prosper, Prosper show, but um, I don't have anything planned at the right now for the rest of the year. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing you when I see you. And then if not, you know, next year, uh, we'll definitely try and bring you back on the podcast and see see what kind of cool things you've innovated uh, there at GS1. All right. Sounds good. Thank you.